Good evening, I'm back. I've been looking for a good devotional for 2 Corinthians, and I believe I found it. Chapter 1. This book has been dubbed, Get Ready for the Fight of Your Life, by Chris Langham. This Bible plan, like the others, is found in the Bible app, which I highly encourage you to check out if you haven't already. Today's devotional talks about serving God by serving others. Paul is writing to the church in Corinth not to tell them how to do ministry, but to defend his own. His authority in church has been challenged while he was away, and he writes this. This letter to stand up to the ministry he knows God has called him to. But before he defends his ministry, Paul starts out with praise. Verse 3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. Paul doesn't go anywhere in his letter without praising God first. And notice Paul's description of God, Father of Jesus, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. That word comfort is the focus of this section. Paul wants us to know from the start that whatever comfort there may be in this world, it comes from God. Comfort in the Bible does not mean a soft pillow or a cushy life. Comfort in this context means call to one side to help. I like that. That is ministry. When someone is down and hurting, we can sit down with them at their side and help. Paul explains how this God of all comfort works. In verse 4, he comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. In other words, Paul says pay it forward. We can go through hard times and God comes to our side to help. Then we see someone else in trouble and we can pass along that very same comfort. Verse 5 says, For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. Following Jesus means that we share suffering and we share comfort along with it. This is how our hearts connect and weave together. It's as though the comfort of God is a great, unending thread tied onto a needle called trials. The trial pierces a heart and it hurts, but brings with it the comfort of God. And then another heart is pierced by a trial. We offer to share God's comfort, and it goes on. Pretty soon our hearts are woven together, pierced by shared trials, and healed by shared comfort. This is so beautiful to me. And long after the piercing and pain of the trials are gone, the thread of God's comfort remains and binds us together. Follow that thread back and you'll find Christ was the first one pierced. Now comfort doesn't mean much unless you're hurting. And Paul shares his hurt in verse 8. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. So Paul wants us to know about one serious trial. We don't know exactly what happened, but we do know it was bad. So bad that Paul and his friends despaired of life. That means they gave up any hope of living. He goes on in verse 9. Indeed, we felt we received the sentence of death. 
So most of us are very familiar with struggle in some form. Chris Langham shares a personal story. In the fall of 2012, I walked into a church for an evening service. I was plowing away at this very ministry and I was giving it everything. I was giving it everything. I was on the edge of broke. I couldn't pay the bills and I couldn't pay for a home for my family. I was spiritually beat up and mentally exhausted. I fell into a seat at church like it was the stool in the corner of a boxing ring. And a thought came to me. Faith is a fight. I wrote it down in my journal and it stuck with me. It shouldn't be a surprise. Paul told Timothy to fight the good fight of faith. I guess we get surprised sometimes at just how hard life can hit. But you have to ask, why is it so hard? If we're doing our best to serve God, why does he allow it to be such a fight to keep going? Look back at verse 9 again. Indeed, we felt as if we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. That's it. That's the key. God allows it to get bad, even to the point of death, because he raises the dead. And we'll never truly know it until we hit bottom. If ministry was easy, I would rely on my own ability, but it's not. It's hard. So I cry out to God and he comes through. Another question to ask, is it worth it? I was wrestling with that one day and another question came to me. One of those would you rather questions. If you could have just one best friend, would you rather have a distant friend who solves all your problems just as soon as you ask, like a genie, or a close friend who, who doesn't make your troubles go away but always comes to your side to be with you and walk you through? And in the end, which friend would you say loved you more? Now what if that friend is God? Which would you choose? Not that we actually have that choice, but I'll take the close God over the genie God any day. I choose the God of all comfort, and so did Paul. He closes off the section in verse 10 with his hope set firmly in God. Who has delivered us, will deliver us, and keep on delivering us. And catch the end. In answer to the prayers of many, so keep praying. The last half of the chapter is an explanation. God had to explain why he didn't visit Corinth, which he said in his last letter that he would, that he would try to. This was probably part of the attack on Paul's credibility. See, he said, he would visit. So where is he? The trip didn't work out, and possibly due to the near-death trial. So Paul explains in verse 17, Was I fickle when I intended to do this? Or do I make plans in a worldly manner? So that in the same breath, I say both yes, yes, and no, no. Basically, Paul is saying that people of the world will often make promises, yes, yes. But under their breath, they're really thinking no, no. Empty promises. And that is what Paul, Paul's, accuse, Paul's accusers tried to throw at Paul. Paul says that's not what happened. In his first letter, he said he had hoped to visit, and he absolutely meant it. But he was very careful not to promise. 
So why is this such a big deal to Paul? Because he knows that people will associate the faithfulness of the messenger with the faithfulness of the message. That should hit home for all of us. Keep your word and people will trust your word. But Paul didn't break his word and God never breaks his. Paul preached Jesus and every promise in Jesus is always yes. Verse 20, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. How do we know for sure that God will keep every promise? Verse 22, he anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. The Holy Spirit is a deposit. The Greek word there is a word that was later used for engagement ring. Think about that. The way a bride-to-be looks at her engagement ring, that should be how we see the Holy Spirit on us. The work of the Holy Spirit in our lives is God's reminder to us, God's promise ring, that through every trial, He will deliver us. Through every heartache, He will come alongside to comfort us. And when this fight is over, he will keep his promise to take us home. These readings are a little longer than the ones I found in the past, but they've already captured my attention and my intrigue. This is going to be a good one. I hope you enjoy.